I don't want to sound like Oprah, but it's important to feed your soul. <laughs> that would be, it's important to consume media that makes you think, that makes you feel something, and that has an impact. Yeah, you can say feed your soul, but only once. You cannot say it more than once. <laughs> Fine. I'm a lot. I'm 4'11. I'm 5'11. We're different in many ways. But we're alike in more ways than you think. We've been best friends for 25 years, spanning provinces and even countries. We're always there for each other. This is the Frenzy Podcast, a story of an unlikely friendship. We'll talk about our friendship through the years, from the 90s to the present day, and sprinkle in some pop culture, politics, feminism, and current events. And maybe a few guests along the way. So pour a glass of your favorite beverage and sit back as we transport you to the very beginning. Do you like my pillows? I love them. I love that color of like mustardy yellow, especially this time of year. Yeah, I had the same. Yeah, my bed's really messy. I'm packing for camping tomorrow. Um, I Wait, what? Yes. You're going camping tomorrow? Wait. Oh God, I remember you telling me about this. It's go yes. You're going through with it? It's happening? It's happening. There's Please gonna be tell me you're not sharing beds. No, we're not sharing beds. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, but still camping. Oh, have you ever been camping before? Okay, so here's the thing. I've been camping twice, and I don't know if this is actually camping or not camping. The first camping, it was band camp. It was with Mr. Baker in grade six band, and we went to Camp Kidston, and we had, like, little cabins. Wait, it was not grade six. It was grade nine. No, it was grade eight, and I was with you. I went in grade six. That wasn't camping. Uh, and we went to Camp Kidston, and... Uh. We, because, okay, this is how I know it was grade six, because Greg Vandenberg was playing trumpet at that time, mm -hmm. and he got in so much trouble, he had to clean the toilets. That was his punishment, because he just, he, just <laughs> he was doing some pretty ruthless things. Anyway, that was when a mosquito made its way in my ear when I was sleeping. It died. It got infected. I had this big bulbous bubble on the side of my neck, and I had to get it surgically removed and drained. That is why, oh. to this day... I have a thing with buzzing around my ears. I actually freak out. I freak out when there's buzzing near my ears because that actually happens, and it happened to me. Tanya, that is like a nightmare worst-case scenario that you hear of on the news once and then never leaves your brain. I did not know this story. I've always known that you've been afraid of bugs. I'm afraid of bugs, but, like, I didn't know there was a deep, dark reason. That is grotesque and terrifying. I'm so glad that uh, you were okay. Listen. And what was the second time you went camping? The worst part, Jules, is I heard it. I kept hearing this like... <laughs> and this I is felt, a horror movie. It felt like something was in there, but I always had weird tubes in my ears because of uh, my inner ear problem. So I thought it was just fluid. And I was like, oh, great. I'm probably going to need another surgery and get more tubes in my ear. And then the swelling started and I really couldn't hear. And it was not nice. It was not nice. Nope. Oh, that's Awful. And then there's Camp Kidston with you, which was pretty fun. Wrong. In grade nine. No, it was it was grade eight. Grade and eight. I remember why it was grade eight, because the day after we came home was the day Michael Hutchins died. It was November 1997. Oh, that is grade nine. I just remember being devastated by his death. But when we went to Camp Kidston, there are two things that I remember. One of them, we all slept on the floor in like the mess hall. Oh, because it was too cold to sleep in the cabins. 
they set up like I think they set up tables separating the boys from the girls, just like the tables on their side, and people kept sneaking from one side to the other. And there was this one girl who slept with her eyes open. I oh, do you remember that? The rope maze was that that Camp Kidston trip? That's the other thing. In oh <laughs> oh Tanya, we had to do the rope maze. We were blindfolded. It was dark. It was dark. We had to follow ropes in the woods. It can't have been a long, like a large area, but we had to we had to hold on to these ropes and get through the woods. And I took so long, and I got so lost. At one point, someone came to tell me, like you're going the wrong way. Like one of the teachers or the instructors or something like came to help me. Tanya, I was like out there for over an hour. I, I, you, okay. So I, I got through it pretty quickly. I'm not saying, oh, I'm so smart, but I got through it because I just got lucky. I remember I got really lucky and I waited for you and waited for you. And I sent someone to look for you. I was really worried something happened mm-hmm. to you. Yeah, it was, I think I was one, there were like, maybe two other people who were out as long as I was, but the whole <laughs> rest of the group finished in like 10 minutes and I took over an hour and I kept going the wrong way and getting lost. And I was like crying under my blindfold. I was super upset. I was like, I want to stop. I quit. I give up. Just take me back. And they would not let me stop. I had a completely different experience in that rope maze. I finished in 10 minutes because I think I might have cheated. Something happened. Maybe I cheated. I don't know. I, I believe you cheated. I believe it. Uh, this I, sounds familiar. I, I, you you I, peeked under your, under your blindfold or something. But I think what happened, I remember just getting some information that maybe I shouldn't have been privy to. That's so funny. It sounds so top secret. <laughs> this is a junior high band trip. <laughs> it was cold out there. So I had to do what I had to do to get back quickly. I hate the outdoors. I think that we have been talking more during the pandemic than we did before the pandemic. Would you agree with that? 100%. I think before the pandemic, both of our lives were a little chaotic, very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, <laughs> work, keeping to work was 45 minutes one away. Then there was work. Then there's picking up my daughter from daycare, feeding her, bathing her, putting her to bed. That was what, 7, 7.30, which is 10 o'clock your time, 10 p.m. your time. Mm-hmm. I was exhausted. So yeah. how, we never really talked. Like we were always best friends. We always connected. And when we do talk, it, it didn't really feel like there was any time in between. We could That's go months absolutely. without talking and then have three hour long conversations. So it wasn't really an issue. So we never really worked on trying to have more connection points. Like we could go for six months without seeing each other. And then when we would see each other, we would show up wearing the same outfit. Every time. Without ever having spoken about it. Sometimes we would watch the same movie on the same night and then text each other about it afterwards without knowing it. It's, these things are very strange. Remember when we were, was it 13 or 14, where we gave each other the same Christmas gift? <gasps> yes, we, <laughs> we gave each other the album for Christmas. It's the same tape, the cassette tape, by the way. Oh, was it a tape? Oh, I thought it was cassette a CD. Tape. It was not a CD. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. Absolutely. 
friends, you're going to realize something about me and it's just, I love Victorian novels, but it reminds me of a chapter in Jane Eyre where Mr. Rochester says to Jane Eyre, he feels like there's a string attached to his rib to her rib. So even if they're really far apart, they still know what's going on in each other. So there's still this feeling like, you know, what's going on with each other. And I think our friendship is a lot like that. That's so beautiful. I love that. I love that passage from that book. And also, also I have an old woman in my attic. You have an old woman in your attic? Oh, picture of a Dorian Gray. Picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, you almost caught me there, Julia. You almost caught me there. No, no. (laughs) It's like, you're not aging. No, 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 no. That's not, no, you didn't even get it. Um, Isn't that the, doesn't Mr. Rochester's wife in the attic? That she dies in a oh, fire? Oh, but she's not an old lady. She's young. She just went crazy. Okay, so I guess I have a crazy lady in my attic. Oh, lady. All right, I won't make jokes. Yeah. Woof. Sometimes things don't transcribe well. That's okay. Um, but I feel like we're entering this new phase of our friendship where we're digging deep like we never actually had before about like discussing our innermost thoughts in ways that we haven't really done since we were 12. And so I'm really enjoying this phase of our relationship. The fact that I can, I feel like I can tell you anything and and that we can really dig deep into the past and kind of, and have that retrospective um, viewpoints in a safe place. I completely agree. And I think that that's something that it's just given us all more time and more time alone. And the natural reaction to that is to reflect upon the past. And so I've been thinking a lot about not just the past, but the things that have been important to me over the years. And you are like the number one thing. You're the number one person. Oh, It's true. Always been the person I want to talk to. You're the first person I want to talk to when anything big happens, but you're also the first person I need to go to if I need advice. You're a great, you're basically, you're like my friend therapist. You're, you're the person you give it excellent advice and you're super honest and you know me so well that you can figure out what I'm thinking and what's behind a lot of my actions before I can realize it myself. And I think that's incredibly valuable. But I think that it is a great time for us to be investigating, and I don't mean that in a clinical way, but to, to be investigating our friendship and to be kind of reacquainting ourselves with each other, you know, who we are now in the same way that we did when we were seeing each other every day and, you know, every waking minute when we were 12. There's something to say about 25 years later, I'd pick you. I'd pick you, hands down, no doubt about it. And I think, I think that's really important sometimes to ask yourself with your friendship. uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you still be friends with them? Because sometimes you get comfortable in relationships and, and that's just... Mm -hmm. No, but I would pick you 100% every time. Every time. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear because I I would absolutely pick you and I think you're too good for me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm glad to I know could, that I still got you. I still tricked you into I being my friend. <laughs> into why you said that. Like, I feel like you always think you're never good enough um, in every aspect of what you do. And I, I'd love to work with you. On, you know, I think relationships are important because you should have people around you that lift you up like your full potential. And I think, I think you're one of the best people I know because you're, you're not a malicious person. Everything you do, all of your intent has 
the person's best interest in mind. Always. You're not, you're never someone like I've never seen you do anything malicious or harmful or anything to anyone else. And I think that's a really unique quality, Julia. And I always feel safe with you. I always feel like I can tell you anything, even if it's my deepest, darkest secret. And trust me when I tell you, like, I do not open up to people. Most people, even my husband, he's like, he had to work years for me to tell him stuff. So (laughs) I don't trust a lot of people with my innermost thoughts and but you I always very early on felt comfortable that I could it was a safe space and you'd approach it with empathy and understanding oh that warms my cold dead heart unless I applied eyeliner badly and then there's judgment which is fine there's no judgment there's just there's just an acknowledgement an acknowledgement (laughs) an acknowledgement But I think, you know, finding those relationships, especially later in your 30s with, with, your, with a friendship group, it's very difficult. This pandemic is affecting different people in different ways. And I know some people who at the beginning thought it was a hoax and didn't take it seriously. And it's changed my opinion of some people and changed my relationships with some people because that to me, it's when the chips are down when you see who people really are, I think. And if you care about protecting yourself or protecting other people, your family, your loved ones, your friends, then who are you? What are you doing? And so people who won't wear masks and who refused at first or still refuse to believe that this is really happening, that this is true, or thinking it's some kind of conspiracy and it's too dire. It's really changed the way that I thought about some of my friends, but some family members. Is it sad though? Or is it like, I feel like friendship, you have people in your life at a certain stage in your life for a reason. And I think important to cultivate those friendships that help you grow in some way and to weed out the friendships that are holding you back. I guess I think what I mean is it's, it's disappointing. I see it as, okay, great. I'm not wasting my time anymore with you. You're out. Like, I know it sounds really cold, but no. I don't have time for that. I don't have time. I don't have the energy to debate with somebody about something that's not debatable. I agree. And that's the thing. People say, well, Tanya, like you can't just cut people out who don't believe in what you believe in. Like then you're not getting diverse opinions. I'm like racial equality. There's one way to go on this. There's one way to go. This is not an opinion. This is social justice. And I don't have time. If you don't, if you think I'm not even going to get environmental change. Like if you don't believe in climate change, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you right right now. Can you name one thing that COVID has changed about your life or how you want to live your life? Or it doesn't have to be one thing. The thing that I've realized the most, did you hear that heavy sigh? Is to, this is going to sound so cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyway, is to like seize the day and seize the moment and don't take anything for granted. Because there are so many things that I can't do now and I can't, that I love to do, that I can't do and I don't know when I'll be able to do again are so important to me. And I didn't think about how important they were because I took them all for granted. It could be something as simple as going to going to Sephora and swatching a lipstick on my arm. Or it could be, you know, having my niece and nephew come to visit for the summer and to do things that some sometimes seem frivolous, but would cheer me up on a bad day or as important as seeing family members who live far away or friends who live far away um, and just hugging them. Like, when was the last time you and I hugged? January. That's a while ago. I think I took that for granted. Like, 
Tanya always comes comes back to Halifax in the summer and at Christmas mm -hmm. and sometimes more frequently than that. Yeah. But um, you can't do that right now and it will be a while before you can. So I'm glad that we have this way to talk to each other and to see each other because it will be a while. When you asked what has changed during the pandemic is I have become so much more anxious than I was before. And I was already operating on a pretty high level of anxiety, but I am very anxious. I've had a lot of sleep troubles and that's that's a big thing that's changed. I know that's not what, that, what you meant when you asked, but that was... That was the first thing that came to mind. My state of mind is very different now than it was before, obvi for obvious reasons. Yeah, let's unpack that a little bit because COVID anxiety is a real thing and a lot of people are struggling. Even people who've never had anxiety before are having the racing heart, inability to sleep at night. Even if they feel like there's nothing in their head, that's like, it's not just the thoughts that recycle through your head. My anxiety is around death. So I used to have a fear of flying. I used to have a right. anxiety. Now it's driving. I'm like, I'm going to kill somebody. It's not that. It's like this physical, my heart is racing. I feel like I can't breathe and um, the sleeping at night. And I guess this is yeah. a phenomenon that's going on like globally. I feel like it's the same thing every single day. And I feel like I have, for me, I love routine. I live, I thrive on routine, but I was telling her, it feels like I'm reliving the same day over and over again, because I don't have those little outings or I don't have Halifax or Michael and I love to travel. We don't have vacation booked. There aren't those little, even like the little things of, I'm just going to walk and get a latte. Like those, those little things that mm -hmm. kind of break up your day. I don't know. It just adds a little something, a sparkle of something special to your day. I don't have that anymore. And exactly, it feels like I'm in this weird, repetitive loop and you don't really see an end in sight. A big reason why I wanted to do this podcast with you because it's exciting. It's it's something, a creative, like we're both very creative people. I've been reading books about, there are certain things I've always wanted to achieve. I'm just not doing it and why I'm not doing it. And Gretchen Rubin, you probably heard of her. She has this like five tendencies and like so how you form habits and mine is the obliger meaning i won't do something unless someone is holding me accountable so that is my that's why i excelled in school that's why i excel at work but my personal mm -hmm. stuff like if someone doesn't say oh you need to do this i won't do it and so that's why i'm like launching my blog which is hey i'm about to publish a book that's coming out in, in a year here are weekly snippets of it because if i don't do that this book is never going to be written um so I'm figuring out ways where I can, because we're both extremely creative people. We're writers, we're musicians. And when that part of me isn't being fulfilled, I don't feel like I have like that excitement there. Isn't, it's not, like, there's this weird, when you're a creative, this excite, exciting energy that you have when you're creating something, it mm -hmm. away a little bit. And I think now I want to bring that part of me back because it's also, mm -hmm. it's been with me since early childhood. Like you would think that right now would be a perfect time to be a writer, to start new writing projects. And technically it is because I have all the, all the time in the world. I, I don't have anything, like I don't have any, I have tons of things to say. I have, I'm constantly thinking almost obsessively. I don't have the kind of wherewithal to focus on channeling it into something uh, productive. Ooh, that, that word is, um, that's something I'm thinking about a lot too, about productivity and how we judge ourselves by how productive we are and that how, how dangerous, you know, if you, you're not the work you do or how much work you get done in a day, because if you start to think that way, then you just work 
work, work. And when you're not working or when you don't have that work to do, then you feel useless, which is not true. I would have to agree with you on that. I think before I became a mom, I was very work oriented. I was always thinking about work, driving work, honestly, and this is something I'm going to stop doing, but I didn't have boundaries in place. So I would work for however hours it takes. I didn't realize that was actually lowering my value as an employee because you were giving people this false idea of what can be done by a certain work hour timeframe. When I had Ella, I obviously couldn't do, I couldn't spend my nights working and I couldn't stay in the office until seven or eight o'clock at night. And I had to set those clear boundaries of, okay, when I come home, it's Ella. That's my focus. She deserves that. And um, during COVID that I lost that. I didn't set those boundaries up because I was working from home. So I could have Ella watching TV and I would just work and work and work and work, even when it was technically my Ella time. And uh, I experienced some really bad burnout in the summer. I didn't know it was burnout. I didn't recognize it as burnout until it was too late. But like, I just remember it was taking me longer to do projects that I was, I could do pretty quickly. I was tired all the time. I felt like I could never get enough sleep. And I realized, um, I don't know how I realized, I think I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about burnout. I was like, wow, I'm burnt out. So that's when I started. I took, I took a week of vacation, went to Jasper with Michael and Ella, and I started setting up boundaries. Um, I don't know if you know the writer, Anne Helen Peterson. She writes uh, a lot about different things, um, about how millennials are the burnout generation, because we sort of came of age during the time that technology came of age, and we're expected to essentially be on call 24-7. It's so true. And we're always available. Like we're always available to be, we can always be reached by email or tech or phone because we always have our phones with us. So the workday is not, nobody works a nine to five workday anymore. Everybody is, that might be when you're in the office. But I remember I, when I worked in, I worked in marketing briefly and it just did not work out for me. It was not good for me are working all the time. And there's the idea of the hustle. Like when we're not doing our work, we're doing our social media. And that takes up a lot of our time. Even if we're not doing it for work, we're doing it for our own like personal brands or for our own, like maybe that's how we relax or have fun. And we're always, always tethered to something. And of course it's going to give, it's, you're going to burn out because you can't, be on and on the clock every waking moment. You have to rest. You have to have time where you just do nothing Um, or just whatever it is that sort of regenerates you. You can't just be constantly on the clock. And I don't know if I'm articulating it super well. I haven't read the book. It's not out yet. But it's uh, the notion of we're that generation who's kind of stucking for less. We're not getting the same, you know, we're working job for money, the salaries of which haven't been changed in 20 years or are so new they can't, they haven't been recategorized um, or we're getting paid less than people, you know, than our parents were comparatively if you um rents and and housing prices and stuff like that so we're kind of getting screwed and we're just taking whatever we can get because that's kind of what we were taught and of course there's a there's an aspect to it that is relates to gender so as women we're just happy to accept whatever is offered to us oftentimes because it's better than nothing you know something that 
has to change, but it's it's something that's so ingrained in our culture now. And especially with, with the pandemic, people are getting laid off and people are on assistance if they can get it. And it's just getting, I fear it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to be worse for women. It's going to be worse for women. It's going to be worse for people of color. It's going to be worse for anybody who isn't an older white man who already has an established career. I guess my biggest tip for our listeners today, our frenzies, is to make time for yourself. Self-care is really important. And even if it's just 20 to 25 minutes a day, take time where you're not talking to someone, you're not on social media, you're just present with yourself. And I'm still working on doing that because I am attached to my phone. It's an addiction. Care of yourself, whether it's doing a skincare routine. For me, it's hot showers. I will, like, my biggest therapy is even postpartum and I was really struggling and I can talk about that if you guys want another episode. That hot shower was the one thing in my day that was <laughs> just me and it was beautiful and it was cleansing. So find something that gives you your energy back during COVID. Absolutely. I think that's really important. So many things are unavailable to us right now. So if we can just spend time with ourselves and do something that makes us happy. It's as simple as, like you said, skincare. Honestly, just putting on a face mask, not like a face covering, but like just doing like a face mask and listening to a podcast. Yes, our podcast. Our, like you could be doing it right now, listening to our podcast and doing a nice cleansing, softening face mask. You need soul food. I said it twice, Julia, you're not editing it out. That that wasn't, but that, okay. (laughs) <laughs> For those who can't see Tanya, she is waggling her eyebrows. <laughs> she does expertly, by the oh, way. It's my thing, guys. It's my thing. Um, oh, to have those eyebrows. They're beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, for a long time, thick eyebrows weren't popular. Now that they are, I'm owning it. I'm like, yes, it's my time, people. (laughs) My thick Lebanese eyebrows are in. I'm owning it. (sighs) Honestly, all I need to do is take one of those little, like, spurly brushes and brush up the hairs, and I'm in. Like, I'm stylish. You know what I mean? It's so good. It's so good. I remember you asked me a couple of years ago, you totally, just out of nowhere, but also totally, um, frankly, you said, do you put something in your eyebrows, like a product or something? Because you never had before. Mm-mm. It's like, of course, yeah, of course I do. I have to draw them on every day. And to be fair, that was before YouTube makeup tutorials where I realized uh, oh. that actually fill in their eyebrows. Yeah. Oh, we didn't have those when we, we were younger. Have, look, we had to stumble with our makeup. That's another episode, YouTube. That's another episode. <laughs> we have oh. to make because boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy. We were like 25 when YouTube was created. I know. We had, all, we had been doing our makeup and it was, so. you know. It looked, it mostly looked great, but we had to kind of figure it out on our own. Yeah, I think so. So let's, let's talk about our pop culture obsession of the week. Mm -hmm. During COVID, I found I was consuming a lot of media. I was really concerned about politics and the fight for equality. And it was really, that's all I was thinking about. So I needed something that would help me, like help my heart rate go down. And that to me was Mindy Kaling's Never Have I Ever. Mm -hmm. Mindy, by chance of the gods that you're listening, you're my hero. Everything you write is magical. 
that's that's something that our younger selves, oh my God, if we'd had a show like this, we would have been so obsessed with it. It's so good. It's so smart and so funny. But also at this age, we're able to look back on it and that to look back on that time, like high school. And it, it's just so refreshing to see something that's written really well and the characters are smart and self-aware and funny actually really funny and fun also there's an aspect of it this grief that the main character is feeling and so if you need to get out your emotions from whatever is happening in your covid life that that will be there for you and you can ball your eyes out when necessary and you will if you're anything like me. For those of you who don't know, Never Have I Ever is about a, how old is she, 15? She's a sophomore, which in the States is 16, maybe 16, second year of high school, right? 16 year old um, Indian. Indian young woman who loses her dad during her freshman year. And it's her coming to terms with that, but she's maybe addressing her grief in ways that are unhealthy. She's acting out, and it's funny because the opening scene, she's praying to Ganesha and saying, look, I mean, I know that you gave me our pair that looks like the floor of a hair salon. Thanks for that, but I need you to do something for me. And it just reminds me of me because, look, to be frank, Mindy's great at ethnic representation in her shows. That's that's what she does beautifully. And whilst I'm not East Indian, I am Middle Eastern, and there isn't representation. I rarely, like, how, Julia, how many times do you see anyone Lebanese on a, on a TV show? Very and if, if so, I always know because you tell me. <laughs> I tell you. But their ethnicity is never addressed, though. It's no. just it could be a Lebanese actor. And so seeing mm-hmm. more representation, oh, and being able to relate. There's a there's a scene where her mom said, oh, you're going to your friend's house. You have to bring them a box of chocolates. And she's like, mom, but that was like right. us. Like my mom had stacks of boxes of chocolate and I was not allowed to go to someone's house without bringing chocolates. And <laughs> it was so relatable and beautiful. And Mindy. You're brilliant. The writing is so funny, and but at the same time, it's relatable. And it's heartfelt, and it's not, it's not too much. It really strikes a nice balance between humor and heart. And it, there are where it's really dramatic, and it's very serious, where she's talking about, you know, the death of her father. And that's a, a really traumatic thing that happened for her. And... Yet she's also just trying to, like, she has a crush on the popular guy at school and she, and it's also about that. So, because lives are complicated and that's, you can be a serious, intelligent person, have these kind of quote unquote frivolous pursuits. Well, she's also 16, right? So that adolescent brain is going to be, she's going to idolize this guy and be obsessed with him. But it's also a great way to ignore grief. It really is. Anyway, if you haven't watched it, friends, please watch it. It is, it is quite something. It's beautiful, beautifully written. It's really great. Yeah, we both we both saw it. I think in, it was another thing we saw independently of each other. And then you asked me if I'd seen it and I had. And of course, we'd have both already watched it without knowing the other had watched it and loved it. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to send us an email to tell us about your friendships or the songs that brought you together, you can email us at frenzypodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both at frenzypodcast. See you next time.